Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We got to be out there sharing you guys. Move on. Paul says in verse 20. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel. Now this is so important. Not where Christ was named. At least I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written to whom he was not announced they shall see and those who have not heard shall understand that's a quotation from Isaiah 52 verse 15 this is what Paul is saying he said I've made it my aim to take the gospel where people haven't heard it as Pastor Bill continues his teaching through the book of Romans he'll be reminding you that God has left you here on this earth to obey the great commission as a Christian you still have work to do to help further the kingdom of God Don't become entangled with the affairs of this world and forget that you have the honor to help reconcile the unbelieving world to the Lord. The Apostle Paul made it his aim to preach the gospel to those who didn't hear it. What is your aim in your day-to-day activities? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 15. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 15 for today's edition of The Transforming Word. I need to know what to do. And I'm like, so I mean, what do I do about the person I live with right now? He's like, you gotta, is she saved? I'm like, no. He's like, okay, if she was saved, I would tell you to marry her. She's not saved, then you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta let, are you willing to let that go? I said, yeah. I went home that day and was like, hey, we're gonna, you know, it, it, you know, it, was, it, it went bad. The cops were called in, but I went home and said, you know, we, we, I'm leaving, you know, we, we, you leave or I'm leaving, we're going to break up, I'm not going to be with you no more, and, and stuff started thrown, and, and the cops got, but at the end of that night, I ended up, I went to bed in that apartment that night by myself, right, and, and, and it was on the way, it was things were moving forward. Again, I always look back and just think, wow, somebody, that buddy, my friend Curtis Bynum, that guy pressed and pressed, he shared Christ with me until I got it. Um, we need to be that to some of our friends, some of our family, that we persist with the gospel and bring them along with you. Bring them, bring them to church, take them home and share with them, but love them enough to keep going. Knowing that this is what I have to know that I can't take for granted that anybody else is going to do it. If I don't, I got some people in my life that I believe if I don't tell them, I don't think anybody else is going to tell them. And, 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 and as a matter of fact, I would rather get, to, I would, I would want the privilege to be the one, but I don't count on anybody else to do it if I won't do it. So I got to do it. And you got people in your life that nobody can get as close as you can. There are non-believers in your life that they got a connection from the old days. They still, I got people in my life that they, we, the love that we had back when we were kids, that they still, we still got love for each other like that. That's my window. That's my end with them. What other minister, whatever pastor, what other Christian has that end with these people? I have that end with some of my old friends. I got to take advantage of that for gospel purposes. Um, it's not for no old homie stuff, you know, but it's like, man, since, since you still got love for me, I still got love for you too. Let's, let, me chop, let me chop it up with you. Let me pick you up. Let's go do something. You know? So we got to be out there sharing you guys. Move on. Paul says in verse 20, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel. Now this is so important. Not where Christ was named, least I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. That's a quotation from Isaiah 52, verse 15. This is what Paul is saying. He said, I've made it my aim to take the gospel where people haven't heard it. Right. I'm not looking to go down the street from a church that's thriving and set up shop and see if I can steal some of their folks and and make church. Paul, I'm looking to take the gospel where they haven't heard it. I want to go to the people that don't know it. 
And so sometimes this happens in Christian circles where it, it, it you know, if a church growth, if a church, if a church grows and the, the, the only growth it has is people came from one church to your church. That's I mean, there's going to be some of that. Maybe there's some healthy churches that people came from bad churches to a healthy church. There'll be some of that. But there has to be a point where it's like, hey, we got people that when we when we got here, they didn't know God. Now they do. Right. We need that testimony, too. We're not primarily trying to you know, move into areas and say there are people that are in churches. They're saved and they're growing and they're fine. Like, leave them alone. I don't need they, they're, they're, they're fine. What about the people that are out? And again, I, I recognize today that there are churches that are so messed up. There are people that are lost in churches. So so when I say we want to go where the gospel is not preached, I'm saying there are even churches where the gospel is not preached. So I'm not saying don't reach out to your church folk that, you know, are jacked up because I know people that I knew my whole life that were in church the whole time. And they did everything I did. They, they got loaded. They fornicated. They went and did jacking with me. And but Sunday they had to be at church. I never forget one of my buddies. We we went in his dad's car and we did robbery. We got loaded all night. We partied all night. And that same car was driving the family to church on a Sunday morning. Like the very night. I mean, that was Saturday night ended like this. And then that same car was rolling to church Sunday morning. And uh, I, I remember this because he got he got grounded. I seen him at school Monday and they found stuff that had been left over from the night before that somebody didn't get out was in the in the seat, you know. And I thought, wow, I mean, so for me back then, I was like, it, it, those are things that made it have no impact. All the people I knew that went to church were just like me. But I know there are real Christians out there, too. Um, and so we got to be reached out. There are people lost in church and we want to reach out to them. But at the same time, and this is what I, I was kind of pondering. Right. So where are people that that aren't hearing the gospel at? Right. It says that Paul, I've made it my aim. I want to preach the gospel where it's not been preached. I want to go after people that no one's going after. Right. I'm guaranteeing you guys that there are people in your community that they're not they don't they're not hearing the gospel because they're not going where it's been preached. You got to be the one to go preach it to them. I guarantee you there are people in your community. There are people in my neighborhood right now that Sunday morning for them is just my kickback day. This is my day to barbecue or to, to throw up a few beers and watch some football and hang out and so forth and so on. And those are people that, that the gospel is not being preached there. So I got to go. Uh, some of you guys got people at your job. The gospel is not being preached there unless you preach it. I'm not saying do it on the work time and get in trouble and blame God. I'm saying, but you know what I'm saying. So take advantage of the relationships and the people there that you be the one, right? The God, there are people everywhere where they're not hearing the gospel. So the goal is that we would get out there and do it. Paul said, I've made it my aim that where I go, I'm going with the gospel. I'm sharing it with people. Verse 22, for this reason, I have also been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. So Paul's wanted to go to Rome for a long time, hasn't made it yet. Whenever I journey, I said, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while. So Paul said, I'm looking forward to coming to you guys. Uh, I hope that when I get there, I can enjoy your company, that you guys can help me out a little bit and that I can enjoy spending some time with you guys. Verse 25. But now, he said, but right now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed. And they are debtors for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in their material things. So Paul says, look, this is a great thing. When I told you guys, Paul is trying to bridge the gap. Paul said, I'm getting ready to go to Jerusalem. 
But I'm going to pass through these other two areas, uh, Macedonia and Achaia, where there are Gentiles there. The church in Jerusalem, they're broke. They're having financial trouble. Um, the Jewish church in Jerusalem is struggling financially. These Gentile churches in Achaia and Macedonia, they got money. And so Paul says, hey, I'm going to take up collection from you guys to go down there and bless them. What's that going to do for the relationship between this Jewish and Gentile churches? It's going to help, right? Because everybody here that's ever been broke before, right? When you get broke and you need help, you don't care where it come from. You don't care. It might be somebody yesterday. I can't stand them. They get on my nerves. You were broke. Hi, mom. <laughs> you know, it's like that whole, it's like, man, when you need help, it, it'd be amazing how you let some things go and some things fall off. And, and you'd be amazed too when, when someone's helped you, how, you know, you, you do lay some things down. You do, it, it's, it's, it's hard to look at someone that's sacrificially giving to you and not recognize that there's some love there. And so, what Paul is doing is wise. He says, look, I know of a problem over here and I'm going there. And I know that over here they have means. They're blessed. And so since the Jewish church over here, they've shared with you guys spiritual things. Sorry, fly. Um, I've sh- they've shared with you guys spiritual things. It's only right that you share with them your material things. He says something similar to that in, in the letters to the pastoral letters where for pastors, if they share spiritual things that Paul said them, then you guys also share with me and your practical things. That's what he's saying to them here. I'm coming down to you guys. They've ministered to you guys spiritually. Why don't you guys help them out? And if there's going to be a gift that gets sent down there. And again, I just see Paul working to bring unity. He's not he's not going down to divide further. He's not going down to say, well, you know, when I was over there with the church of Macedonia, you know what they said about y'all. And he's not doing any of that kind of mess. But Paul is a bridge builder. He's 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 helping. He's helping bring the church of Jesus Christ to a place of health where there's unity among them. But I just want to point that out. So this is a something for all of us to consider. Right. If when we see people in need and we have the ability to help, we should, especially believers. And it shouldn't matter. You know, what kind of believer, what color believer, what if a believer is in need and you have, you should help. Um, you just should. And because sometimes you're going to be the one in need. And if you've ever been in need, it's a blessing to be helped. It's a wonderful thing to have that that pressure relieved as someone that's able helps. And it's also a blessing when you I was just more blessed to give than receive. If you're blessed to be in the position to help someone out. Um, and you see need and you help them out. It's a blessing, you know, and the body should do that for one another. It is it is one of the ways that we show God's love to one another that that I'm not going I'm not going to have food and watch you hungry. Not this is not going to happen. You know, I'm not going to have a grip over here and watch you, you know, waste away that we're going to help each other out. And we should do that for one another. And that's what he's doing here. Again, it, it just demonstrates love one to another. And that's what Paul is setting that up between these two groups. Uh, moving on now. In verse 28, Paul said, therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come, you when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And so Paul said, I know when I come to you guys, I'm going to be coming in the fullness of blessing and the gospel of Christ. Y'all are going to receive me. I'm receiving. We we are united because of the gospel. And I know that I get to come that way. Understand this, that Paul didn't go everywhere with that peace. And we're going to see this as we end here, because Paul said to, to get to y'all, it's going to take some stuff. And Paul was going to go through difficult places and difficult people to get where he was going. So while we've celebrated all of Paul's ministry, I just want to make sure and add, because we're not getting the full story in this little section of Romans. But the stuff that Paul did came to great cost at him, to great cost to him. He went to some of these areas and before he left, they stoned him. 
I mean, stone. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen a biblical stoning, but it's a brutal process. They start with little rocks. It's kind of pelt you. Ow! Ow! Then they get bigger. Bang! And they get bigger and they knock you out. They knock you down. Then when you're down, the rocks get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then they finally take one great big rock and drop it on your head. Boom. You've been stoned. They, they don't stone you to, to hurt you. They stone you to death. So it's believed that Paul either died or they thought he was dead. Most people believe he actually died and that the Lord raised him up. And then the, the most amazing thing to me is if I got stoned, you know, I'm trying to go to Compton and preach the gospel and they take me to the city gate of Compton and stone me and God raises me back up. You think I'm going back to Compton? <laughs> I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm going to somewhere else far <laughs> Paul went right back on in Paul was like hey you know he went right back into the city I'm not done right I'm like that, that's amazing to me I, I'm, I, Paul is one of my heroes in the Bible that he just went back I'm, I'm still here so what and he went back and he had physical ramifications he had, he had issues with his eyes and a lot of things that happened to him along the way. I just want you to know that it didn't come. It wasn't like it didn't cost him something to do what he did. And so some of us, when we get out there and we're faithful and obedient with the gospel, know that it's going to cost you something. But Paul's in heaven right now. Do you think he cares today about it cost him down here on earth? Yeah, we got a few little decades down here on earth. And some people live. Every, everything is lived out to make these few little decades comfortable. Forgetting that we're going to spend eternity in heaven if you're saved. And we want to store up treasure, right? Paul is not in heaven saying, man, I wish I had a hell back. I wish I had to not let them jail me that one time. I wish I hadn't took that beating. He ain't in heaven saying that. Paul's in heaven. He said when he got, when he got ready to die, Paul said, I've finished my race. I've completed the job. I'm ready to go. That's how you want to die. You want to die or be raptured. You want to be at the place where you say, man, God, the stuff you gave me to do, I did that with your help. But I got it done. I did not waste my life. I did not waste this life being you know, encumbered with peripheral, small, insignificant things. But I spent my life on that, which matters. And I'm ready to go. That's how we want to live this life. And so but know that it'll come at cost. Right. There's no verse in the Bible that says, you know, if you just go real hard for the Lord. Everything's going to go great for you. We're actually promised that if we live godly in Christ Jesus, we're going to suffer some persecution. We're going to have some difficulties, but it's going to be worth it. fam. It'd be worth it. Whatever you go through for Christ, I promise you it's worth it. Uh, my wife and I talked about this when we planted the church. We had been in ministry before, uh, doing the high school ministry. And I've had warfare here and there, little different things over time. Uh, honestly, nothing, nothing magnanimous, nothing huge. We planted the church. And I would say that if, if I were measuring one to ten, I would say I, I was experiencing warfare periodically at a two, maybe a three on a really bad month before. We planned a church and it was up at a nine, 10, it felt like at times. Like, and I'm like, man, like, you know, and, and, and I believe the goal of warfare from the enemy is to make you quit, just make you quit. But the amazing thing is, as you press through and you keep going, you end up becoming, you begin to make stronger. Skin's a little thicker. You're prepared for the next battle. You're trusting God to come through is greater um, if you just don't quit. So sometimes the enemy sends warfare to discourage you. So you'll be like, man, I quit. And if you quit, Satan will stop bothering you. The pressure will be off, but you lose. Now you're not storing treasure in heaven. Now you're 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 useless. You're rendered useless for the kingdom of God. No of no value. But it'd be better to be in the battle taking some hits to getting something done for the glory of God. So for you guys that are soldiering up and you're having warfare and there's battles and there's difficulty. Can I encourage you? 
that you would press on. Don't quit. There are times where I would, I'd be fine all week. And then come Saturday, I start feeling sick. And I made this commitment a long time ago. Because I, I, back then I was doing the high school ministry. I preached every Sunday. I will not not go to church because I'm sick. I'm going to go. And I won't not preach because my voice is raspy. I'm going to go anyway. I have had this happen. I, I'm, I'm before God. I, I'm not lying to you. I have gone to church sick with a raspy voice and feeling crummy and sneezing and snotting and then get up to preach and sound fine. Just sound just fine. And I'm like, oh, I've been laying at home sitting with a guy. And that was a commitment I made. Unless I'm on my back, unless God makes it to where I can't, I'm just going to go anyway. Because I believe what happened is, say this, that's all I got to do is give him the sniffles. I have the sniffles every Saturday. I'll be sick every Sunday. And, and again, when there's a little bit of turmoil, when stuff going on at home, if there's something happens at home, if, if any, if, if whatever is going to make me say, man, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be engaged today. I believe that that'll keep happening. So what I found and what I made, that's been my personal commitment is I won't not do or not go unless I cannot, unless God renders me incapable. And I've been pastoring five years here. I pastored 11 years at Calvary Chapel Downing. And this is not me boasting in me, but in all that time for sickness, I may have missed two Sundays, two and all that time. Those two, there's once where I was on my back and it was for God's purpose. God was mending and healing and ministering to me in some other areas. Um, but I could look at all that time and just say, just just saying, just committing that I'm not going to give that to the enemy. And so there may be some area of service where you're called to and you find I keep getting brought off track because this happens. The next time that happens, stomp on over it. Go on and go and endure a little bit of hardship and, and see if afterwards it wasn't worth it. Um, see if afterwards you don't feel like, you know what? I'm glad I didn't miss this because of that now. Um, we have to press on. Satan does want to cause us to quit and he'll use whatever tactics work. Uh, but but what, what can Satan do when nothing works? Move on to somebody else. He loses. That's how you win in the spiritual battle. You just don't succumb. Satan's tempting me to do this. Well, when I don't do it, what can Satan do? Nothing. He had no power over me other than that which I yield to him. He can tempt. He can say from outside, look over here. Look over here. But if I just keep it moving right on over him, he has no power. I win with God's help. Satan, I want you to stop doing whatever you're doing for God. I'm going to press you. I'm going to send people to accuse you, to persecute you, to put you down. And you just keep going anyway. Then at a point, he's rendered ineffective, powerless because you won't quit. That is Paul is an example of that. They stone Paul. Paul's like, I'm still going to go. They put him in jail. They threaten his freedom. Paul's like, so what? I'm going to preach to the prisoners. <laughs> uh, prison ministry, you know. They bring him out and they, they threaten his life and we're going to kill you. Paul's like, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I actually counted a victory. When I die, I go to heaven. So it's a plus on either side. If I live, I'm going to live for Christ. If I die, it's a gain. You can't, I mean, you can't stop a guy that's just moving forward. I don't, I don't care. I don't value my life. Kill it. Kill me then. Shoot me. Put me in jail. Beat me. You know, like in, in everything that you do, there's some benefit to me. If you beat me, I get points. I get I, I literally there's a reward in heaven for persecution. Do you know that? So don't avoid it. Jesus told his disciples when they persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. We be trying to avoid a little bit of persecution. You messing up. You messing heaven up. Paul, Jesus said rejoice when that happens. That There's great is your reward in heaven. Take that persecution. Take them little comments. Take that little mess. I just stored it. I was like, I'm looking up. Like, God, I wonder what that is. Right. I can't wait to find out what the treasures in heaven are going to be. Right. Because eye is not seen nor ear heard nor have it into. There's things you never even imagined. God's been stored that stuff up. 
We be down here trying to avoid it. God's like, man, press on through. Get you some of that. I mean, he's encouraging us to store up treasure in heaven. So do that. Amen. All right. Last little chunk here. And um, Paul says in verse 30. Now, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. And Paul asks us for prayer in four areas. And here it goes that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Paul's got some Jewish people in Judea that don't believe and they're giving him the business. Pray for me. That he, he said, pray that I be delivered from them. Number two, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that they would receive him in Jerusalem, that his service would be acceptable there. Number three, verse 32, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God. And number four, that he may be refreshed together, that I may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of all peace be with you all. Amen. This is an interesting thing about these prayer requests. And I want to say this as we wrap it up and uh, just to teach us a lesson about prayer, because Paul asked for these things and God answered every prayer, but not the way Paul wanted. Paul asked that he would be delivered from those Judea. Well, they beat him there. That was an Iconium where he got stoned. I mean, he got, but, but, but he lived. So was he delivered? But not the way you would think. When I say God delivered me, I want I want to go on easy street. I want to just coast through on skates, you know, like nothing happened. Nobody touched me. He was delivered, but it was through some hardship. So just want to point that out that God, God didn't God didn't keep back all the negative things that happened anyway. He says that that, that uh, my service in Jerusalem might be acceptable to the saints, not in totality, but ultimately later or not. When he first went, it wasn't accepted. They were giving him a hard time there, too. But later on, they would accept it. And so that was something that he maybe even didn't even get to see it, but it, it, it did take place. That prayer was answered. But later, the third thing that I may come to you with joy by the will of God. Now, this is <laughs> this was, you know, Paul got to Rome, but y'all know how he got there. He went as a prisoner and uh, a broken up ship and all kind of trials and difficulty. But he did get there. Rather or not, he got there with joy was going to be dependent upon him. Can you have joy in the midst of difficulty? But he did get there. And the last thing that he might be refreshed together with them. And as I look at each one of these things, I realize God brought it about, but it wasn't like the way he wanted. So why do I bring that up? Because everybody here prays prayers and usually and I'm not saying that we shouldn't. Right. I pray prayers that the way I pray it is the way I think it would be best for me. God, would you cause this to go well? I pray, Lord, would you cause things to go smoothly as we do this thing? Would you bind the enemy and keep back this and just allow things? I pray that. And I mean that. And I don't, I'm not saying don't pray that way. What I'm saying is this. When God does it different than how you want it, don't be, don't be looking funny. Understand that my prayer is my request. But I'm saying, God, you, your, your way is always best. And if something I'm asking for, if there's a way that you see that's better and different than what I'm asking for, I submit to that up front that your wisdom is greater than mine. My prayer request is simply a request, not a command um, for you guys that maybe come from church backgrounds to be demanding and decreeing God. That's some foolishness. Um, you don't tell God what to do because I can only tell somebody what to do when I know better than them. I can tell my kids what to do, but I can't tell God what to do. Right. Y'all agree. I hope you know that you can't tell God what to do. How I many you guys that tell your kids walk up to you and tell you, Dad, get in there and get me? Yeah, you'd be a bitty. Y'all be, we be the went all upside their head. I'll be, I'll be coming to your house, you know? Um, we wouldn't accept that from our kids. God, I'm not accepting that from you. 
you go, you can't tell God what to do. You come in humility before God and you ask, you put forth your request. But you say, Lord, your will be done with all of it. And if God allows some difficulty, you guys, you got to trust him that there's good coming from it. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he works his way through the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul dove into the mysteries of faith in this letter to the church in Rome, drawing on the rich history found in the Old Testament. He looks back to the faith of Abraham, which was counted to him as righteousness. This is what he had to say about the patriarch in chapter 4, verses 20 to 21. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Since we get to participate in the righteousness that comes through faith, let's set our hearts and minds on the power of God to do everything he had promised. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us today. There's so much more that Paul gave us through the letter to the Romans, from deep theology to practical instructions on how to live. You won't want to miss a message, and we've made it easy for you to stay connected through Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. But we also have a free mobile app with access to our messages. To find out, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab to find a plethora of messages in our mobile app. While you're on the website, take a look around. We have a lot more available to you, including a daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll see you here next time, where we will again bring you a transforming word.